Welcome to the Senia Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Lori Bull. We know you're busy, so we bring you one hour's worth of content in under 30 minutes, leaving you time for a true happy hour. Hi, everyone. So I was driving down the road a few weeks ago, and I was listening to our public radio station and came across a story of a family who started an organization called Harper's Playground. And as soon as I heard the story, I thought, I need to get this group on our podcast and reached out to them and they responded. So I'm quite excited and happy to introduce you to G. Cody, QJ Goldberg. Cody is the father of two and he and his wife, April, co-founded Harper's Playground. And their mission is to inspire and empower global communities to build radically inclusive playgrounds. Through storytelling, consulting, and unique design principles, they create playful naturescapes where people of all ages and abilities find belonging and social connection through play. So an incredible mission and an incredible organization. Let me tell you a little bit more about Cody. He's the father of two. He graduated from New York University with a BFA in film and television studies. He and his wife, April, uh, spearheaded the design for the very first Harper's Playground in Portland, Oregon. Cody is a huge fan of inclusion of all kinds and is committed to creating opportunities for both of his daughters to build friendships and community for themselves. He believes that the power of a well-designed and realized inclusive play space can truly transform a community for the better. And I know he's right. So I won't go on any longer. I'm just excited for you to hear this episode. So now on to the show. Well, hello, Cody, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lori. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm really, really excited you're here with us today. I was listening to our public radio station and heard your interview, and I thought he must be on the Send You Happy Hour podcast. Our listeners need to hear from you. So, Well, pleasure you. to be here. So you are the chief play officer and founder of Harper's Playground, which creates inclusive and accessible playgrounds. Can you share your story behind Harper's Playground and what inspired you to be part of this really incredible project? Well, for a couple small corrections, uh, allow me, if you will. First and foremost, I'm the co-founder. Um, co-founder, yes. Co-founder, my wife is uh, the other co-founder, my wife, April. Um, and really, it was actually her idea even in the beginning. So she's like the first co-founder. I am the sub co-founder. <laughs> um, Got it. And now chief, also chief play officer. Um, and one other tiny correction that we'll maybe get into, um, we call our play our playgrounds radically inclusive um, you mentioned inclusive and accessible. Access accessible is something that we consider um, as one key component of, of inclusive, but not an and, I think, maybe. But that's, I love talking about our design philosophy. We can get into that more. Um, 
and what 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 it is that makes it radically inclusive. Accessible is the first layer, um, but by itself, accessible is almost nothing. Yes, that is a great point, and thank you for for sharing that. And we will get into it. In fact, um, can you share your well your vision statement, which is similar to Senya's? Our our vision statement is to live in an inclusive world. Hmm. Your vision statement is a more inclusive world, one playground at a time, naturally. So do you want to share a little bit about that? I do like yours. I think yours is good. Um, I, I, um, noodling around with mission statements and vision statements is such an interesting thing to do, right? Our mm-hmm. vision statement has been the same since the very first playground, which was um, opened 11 years ago now. Um, the journey began, and I you asked about the genesis too. The journey began for us uh, really 18 years ago plus when um, Harper was born, when we entered what people refer to sometimes as disability land. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, so we we entered disability land when Harper was born because it was a very traumatic birth story, like so many people in our community have experienced. We were in the um, Harper was Harper was in the NICU and we were with her most of the time for a full month. Um, and it was during our time in the in the intensive care unit with her that um, somebody suggested dr- taking a blood sample because she had some anomalies that were of interest. And um, the long story short, we found out that we were on this journey uh, of disability. Um, shortly after we got out of the intensive care unit and they told us that she had a diagnosis of something called Emanuel syndrome. It's part of uh, a family of dis- of differences called partial trisomy. So it's mm-hmm. it's chrom- in the chromosome uh, with numbers 11 and 22. And uh, the geneticists at the hospital where Harper received her diagnosis had never heard of it. They had to Google it. Um, and all they could figure out was to suggest to us that she would never walk nor talk in her lifetime. That was, that was what they told us. And that so, must be, that's, that must've been quite the, the news to get as parents. It was pretty surreal. I mean, I can remember the moment and I felt like, uh, so I studied film and television in college and um, there's this thing that you do in movies where the, the camera comes at you, but you're, pulling back it's and they use it a lot when like time stands still and uh and that's definitely how it felt Mm -hmm. i mean it was a pretty impactful moment um what how do you unpack that um so i think i've been unpacking it for 18 years to a certain degree but what i'm really i think excited uh, to share about is that while there were initial moments of like fear and dread and and concern um you know those really passed pretty quickly once i started to just um recognize that one of the many one of the many beautiful gifts that harper has brought into our life is that um if we're just present with her in the present moment there's nothing wrong and what a gift that is to have somebody in your life who is constantly reminding you not to worry about the future um but to be present um so um Anyhow, the the story that uh, I guess is the Harper's Playground Genesis story is that four years later, she had learned how to walk with this little yellow walker. Um, and we took a on her maiden voyage, we took a walk in our neighborhood park. 
and it, that, that park had a playground within it that was like typical playgrounds surrounded by wood chips and that little walker that she was using got stuck in those wood chips and my wife who gets the full credit for co-founding the organization and even thinking of this um she got really mad like immediately that that um, design injustice had like caused harm to our daughter on the day she started walking um and she said we should do something about this um so that became the start of Harper's Playground um back in the summer of 20 uh, 2009 is when this all started wow, wow. So Harper is quite your inspiration and, and April throwing out all the props to her for her idea. (laughs) (laughs) Credit where credit is due, but you two have worked on this together along with family and, and investors and such, I'm sure, um, to make this happen. So. Yeah. it's Uh, It's been an amazing journey and that first journey you know, uh, it's uh, I guess in chapters, or, or I'd say, or let's call it a book. This book has several chapters. The first chapter was Harper's birth story and learning about disability world. And um, another props I'd love to give. I don't. I, I would imagine you all know in your network about um, Kathy Snow. Um, she wrote a book called Disability is Natural, mm-hmm. and she's a speaker that April and I listened to. A passionate speaker about inclusion. Um, and we listened to her around the time I'm, I'm imagining Harper was about a year old. It was in the first year of her life. And that had set us up to now a lifetime of being inclusion advocates. Um, that that speech, the, the talk that we heard from Kathy Snow and then the experience we had at the playground, those mm-hmm. melded together. And the first three years of Harper's Playground, what you're talking about, we started with a bake sale in front of our house. And in three years, we had raised $1.2 million and wow. come up with a very innovative design. And most most impressively, if I'm going to um, throw my shoulder out, patting myself on the back, most impressively, we got it built. Um, that is no easy task to navigate a city bureaucracy. And basically, we showed up at the city's door and said, you're doing it all wrong. Um, we'll show you how to do it. And they, they don't necessarily say, oh, great. Thank you for telling us we're doing everything wrong. <laughs> Here's the keys to a public park. You do it. <laughs> That's not how it was. <laughs> and and your first playground was built in Portland, Oregon, correct? Yep. Portland, Oregon. Our family has since moved to Vancouver, Washington, just across the river. But um, many of our projects are here still in the Pacific Northwest, but we have one as far away as Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, I saw that on the website and that is a incredible looking playground. So I'll encourage people to check that out. Uh, so tell me about the word naturally that you've added mm-hmm. to the end of your vision. Well, I am big on double meaning if you can get it. Um, and that's what it's meaning here. We We use nature in our design quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, and nature, uh, everyone deserves play, everyone deserves community, and everyone deserves access to nature. Um, and natural features make for a better playground as well. So yeah. that's what that word means in, in the more literal sense. Um, we also believe that inclusion is the natural order of things, that children are born to be inclusive, and they learn to exclude 
especially through experiencing built environments that encourage exclusion. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something that's that's part of why the word is there. Um, I work with community groups all the time, and it just blows my mind that adults in the room. And I think I said this in that OPB uh, interview that you 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 heard, but adults in the room that we work with all the time are trying to convince us that what we've already done is impossible, that you can't build an environment that works for people like Harper um, and also works for people who, you know, uh, are typically developing, right? Um, it's impossible um, that there, there has to be a trade-off, right? It's going to not be as cool um, for those other people. And the children in the room that we work with kids all the time, the children in the room are always um, quick to say, of course we can do it. Um, and uh, not only, of course, can we, but we must. Like, there's no, we can't compromise. Of course, yeah. Um, so that's why I say it's a natural order of things. Kids are inclusive. Yeah, and just thinking about that whole idea of universal design for inclusion, um, it's it's not hard to imagine if you just imagine it. <laughs> you're willing and open and i think as adults you know people just get stuck in their ways yeah so yeah for sure. um luckily for me i never grew up um that was something i was adamant that i would never do so i found the perfect wor- work for myself as a, a a forever child which is designing playgrounds i love it i love it well you mentioned that you believe that the power of a well-designed and realized inclusive place space can truly transform a community for the better. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? I think you already shared a bit, but I'd love to hear more. Well, I think it um, it, it all boils down to one of our key philosophies, which is um, it's not the stuff you put in the playground that really matters that much. It's the people that are invited to be within it. And um, so the, the true magic of Harper's Playground is is nothing to do with what we actually put in there. It's it's minimalism. Um, and when you create a space where that really does draw the widest variety of people, um, it, it, people love variety. They just do. We just, um, we love it. And so it's so, uh, you create connections with different types of human beings. So you learn about stories uh, from different types of people. So it's just magic. Um, and it's all about uh, making sure that the widest variety of people can be there. Um, and I think the the benefits that we're talking about, we hear about people who um, meet future mates at, you know, at spaces like this, mm-hmm. or um, people find out that they can help each other. You know, it's, it's just the power of community. Um, and there's a bit of an epidemic in this, especially in this country, but really globally taking place um of isolation um the u.s surgeon general put out um a report just this year our epidemic of loneliness um and social isolation is killing people um quite literally reducing their lives uh lifespans and their number the number one recommendation to combat social isolation was um physical environments that encourage social connection so I guess that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, brilliant. Well, in March, uh, Senya is holding its 
annual in-person conference. And our conference will be in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And the theme for our conference is Designing for Inclusion. Mm. And so I'd love for you to talk about the design elements that go into making a playground um, radically inclusive um, for for everyone. Yeah. What does, what does that planning process look like? Well, I, um, a good design process certainly begins with site selection. Um, so, you know, the design work doesn't doesn't start once you already have a place selected, it's you're choosing a good location. Uh, for us with outdoor outdoor play environments, that includes everything from existing tree canopy um, back to nature being so important and the, the shade that big trees offer. Um, uh, other amenities that you're gonna engage with. So uh, we think about everything from bus lines and parking to uh, bathrooms that, uh, existing infrastructure. Um, that's so important to think about when you're thinking about designing for inclusion is what's already there. Like what, 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 where, where is it even physically with other surroundings um, in terms of like, um, is it at the center of things or is it at the edge of town kind of thing? You know, is it going to, is it going to be closer to everybody? So there's all those considerations in the beginning, but once you have a site, um, and that's often where we come in because we do often work with people who have a site already. Um, and we're thinking about inclusion. It first does start with accessibility. Um, if it's not accessible, then it's never going to be inclusive. Um, but if it's only accessible, that's just not enough. But it's the first layer of what we call physically inviting. So um, to be a physically inviting space, it has to be accessible. And then the next piece is adaptive. Um, what, so accessible gets you to something, ad adaptations allow you to use it, the most users to use it. Um, so that's the, the the first order business for us is physically inviting. Then we, we like to talk about socially inviting. Designing for social connection includes things like circular seating areas with cutouts. So um, a wheelchair can fit into a notch, let's say, and be seated next to a friend and not in the way, if there's a circular seating and there's no brakes in it, then the wheelchairs are in the way, um, oh. as an example. Sure. Um, yeah. Choosing features that encourage and support multiple people using them at a time, because inclusion is really about connection, not just about being in the same location. Um, so for us, that's a group swing, um, let's say, or you know, things of that nature. Um, also, we add a lot of nature because uh, natural materials put us in a better social frame to, to connect with one another. Um, so we design for social connection and that's what we call socially inviting. So again, number one, physically inviting. Number two, socially inviting. Then number three, we talk about emotionally inviting. Uh, that next layer when we're really emotionally safe and happy, we're even more, um, um, likely to connect with friends and have a good time. And, and so that's where we put in artwork um, and good design. Um, good design is hard to totally qualify and quantify, but you know it when you see it. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily, nature is has been well-designed. Um, I don't know if you know who designed nature, but I know <laughs> that they did a good job. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Physically inviting, socially inviting, and emotionally inviting. That's that's a big part of it. Yeah. Fascinating. 
So most of our listeners are currently working at international schools worldwide, across the globe. And so they may not be able to take part in building some, like supporting a community space, but more so maybe working with their own school playgrounds mm. to be to make them radically <laughs> inclusive. So might you have some suggestions on how they can get started? Or is this something that your group does? Well, yeah, we do. We do consultations all the time. We've been working with schools in the very beginning when we were just starting out. We we were really prioritizing community playgrounds uh, just because they're open to all all the time. And a school is really more of a private setting for such a long part of the day. But um, as we've grown, we've turned our attention to schools and, and schools are we want every outdoor and even indoor environment to be inclusive. Um, it's pretty simple. You know, if you add some boulders and some trees, um, that that often can really transform a space. Um, you know, most schools, at least in the U.S., are just vast wastelands of asphalt. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we come in and, and help folks, we have them carve out a certain area to remove the asphalt, plant some trees, um, put in some boulders. And that's a great start. Um, it really... Great children are so hardwired to play that they will play anywhere. Uh, we just have to do less harm by creating like hot, you know, <laughs> hot deserts of asphalt with a plastic structure on them that just doesn't work. Um, but uh, so, you know, it can be as simple as a, a it, it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you if I can figure it out, anyone can figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, and the the boulders, I imagine they they not only encourage climbing, but just hanging out and being with one another. So yeah. that social piece, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, uh, great seats. They're also really tactile, typically for you know running your hand on. So um, children um, who need uh, and, and uh, uh, are drawn to different sensory inputs, boulders are great for that too. Cool. And your website has pictures of all the different playgrounds that you've um, supported along the way. And so I'll put the website link in our show notes for our listeners to take a look at as well. Awesome. So tell me about your, your job title, chief play officer. Yeah, that, uh, that's a dream come true to have a title that I want. Um, I've never wanted, I never set out to be an executive director, which is what I was before this. Um, and I, it, it speaks to my desire to remain playful all the time. Um, and to remember and to focus on the fact that we are designing spaces for play. Um, and that play, play is fascinating. I love, I've read so much literature about play. It's, it's almost impossible to really define what play is, um, it's it's just such a multifaceted, beautiful gem of a thing, um, but uh, I love it. I love the fact that play is so good for us, um, and that it brings forth joy. It's in, it's in, it's enjoyable to do, and it's so healthy to play, not just for children, but for everybody to hold on to play and to remain playful. Um, 
And so I, I, I have that title and I wear a hat. I know this yeah. is not a video, but I wear a hat with the word play on it all the time. Um, play is the way. I, I like to say that. Play is actually the way we're going to create a better world. Um, and then one of the things that I love about play is play is, is, play is naturally inclusive. Um, if you're excluding people from a game, then you're not playing because um, play would play would never exclude. Um, play is is uh, is is such a um, egalitarian, empathetic, perfect state of being that um, I think it's a it's an ideal that I just try to keep for at the forefront of everything I'm doing. I love it. And also, so you've got your hat that says play and then your sweatshirt says inclusion is dope, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Do you sell those? <laughs> they're, they're for sale on our website. Absolutely. Are they? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get off here and buy one immediately. <laughs> so. Yeah, we have, I'm i I'm an older man now. It's amazing to say that because in my mind, as I said, I've never grown up. I'm, I'm a little bit older, at least I'm, I'm 54 years old. We have um, an associate board that came up with this merchandise line. They were like, we, you know, uh, we need to attract a younger audience to Harper's Playground. And so that was their idea um, to come up with this merch line. Inclusion is dope um, mm -hmm. because dope is good. It turns out the kids <laughs> and, um, and it's also, you know, it's uh, eye catching and, and all the rest. But yeah, inclusion is awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great great phrase so what's next for harper's playground what do you have going on that you're excited about i'm excited about so many things um we just opened our largest most most ambitious project uh this past weekend in vancouver so we're going to spend a lot of time celebrating it and activating it um we do an annual fundraiser that will be at that playground september 23rd um but we have uh two projects in the Pacific Northwest that we're designing um, in a town called Bothell, Washington. It's a suburb of Seattle. We have one really exciting project in Selma, Alabama. Uh, it will be John Lewis Memorial Playground. Mm. Um, and then we, we don't have the project actually to speak of yet, but I have to make it happen. I promised Harper's younger sister, Lennon, that she would get a playground of her own in New York City. Um, and so I'm behind schedule on that. So I have to make that happen sooner than later. Ah, go Lennon. Yes. And and does Lennon have design, like her own design for this playground or ideas? Lennon has a lot of ideas. <laughs> she, she wants everything possible in there. And it will be my job to help her learn the um, art of minimalism. Um <laughs> so that we make make room for the people but she is uh lennon is 14 and uh, she has spent 13 of those 14 years completely immersed in harper's playground work she always is recognizing if a if a place is not accessible um and she uh she's not only committed to the work but she wants her own playground in her own name because her sister has many in her name so there's a little jealousy thing there well sure who can blame her but it is often the siblings who who take on this this role and are there are i don't know eyes and ears on inclusion mm -hmm. so, 
Yep. Very impressive. Yep, for sure. Well, Cody, I think we're um, about out of time for today, but thank you for your time. Your Thank you for your commitment and compassion and for building a more inclusive world, one playground at a time. So we really appreciate it. Lori, thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. I hope um, that people enjoyed it. Oh, they will. And I'm sure you'll be getting a lot of um, purchases of your sweatshirts <laughs> upcoming. Awesome. awesome. They all, every penny goes to building more playgrounds. Perfect. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, including how to subscribe and show notes, please head to our website. That's senyainternational.org slash podcasts. Until next time, cheers.